You are now listening to the Washington football team declassified podcast with L.E. And Eric. And you are going to love it. Stay tuned. Washington football team declassified is presented by Grafted App, a soon to launch app connecting consumers to Christian owned businesses. You can visit them at graftedapp.com for more information or to apply for your listing. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode. I believe this is number 14, Eric. We got to episode 14, man. How you feeling? We are teenagers, officially. We're like ninth grade age, if that were a thing with podcasts. I'm feeling good. That's what I'm getting at. I feel a little older than 14. I got to be honest with you. But um, I do want to say to all the listeners and subscribers, thank you so much for hanging with us. You guys have really made this a success. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep grinding. For those of you that are listening that are not subscribed, go to your favorite platform right now. Stop what you're doing. Go subscribe. You don't want to get out of sync with these podcasts because we got so much heat coming for you. Ain't that right, Eric? We got the heat. We're like Nolan Ryan with the heaters. Yeah. If you remember. I'm having, I'm having trouble with analogies tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll work on that throughout the episode. It'll be- <laughs> but there's big news today. There is big news, Declassified family. Eric has finally updated his Twitter handle. Eric, you want to tell the people what it is? It is etrod42, E-T-R-O-D-4-2 on the Twitters. And you can now find me there for all of those of you eight people who finally memorized the 16 numbers I had behind my name. <laughs> you did it for naught because it is now etrod42. It used to be Eric and a social security number type number. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was ridiculous. It was like a 900 number. Now, now he's live. He's fresh on Twitter. Make sure you go follow him. Thank you to, for everybody following the podcast on Twitter. We love interacting with you, and we will continue to do so. But tonight, we're going to talk about the stadium. We, uh, we've heard a lot of things about the stadium over the last couple of years, really since Snyder's owned the team. We, we have FedEx. Eric, let me get your opinion on FedEx before we jump into the new stadium conversation. What do you think about FedEx as it is right now? It's uh, the it's very vanilla. Uh, it's like vanilla ice cream of stadiums. It's not it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not it's not terrible. It's the stadium, and you immediately forget about it when you leave it. Except for it's uh, miserable to get in and out of. That's the problem with it. It's just there's nothing around it, and the uh, apparently it's improved. It's been a few years since I've actually been to a game, um, just because it was so terrible. But there's just the, the the traffic getting in and out of it was terrible and the um the metro access is you know you got to walk a mile to get to it um there's no restaurants bars anything to do around the stadium so that's the real problem it's just the location um so i'm not a huge fan of it at all uh and i look forward to a new stadium being built somewhere that is not Raljon or landover yeah the for me i, I think it's okay at best I, I think some of the negativity about FedEx is a little bit overrated. I know people came from RFK and this is not the same type of environment. I've never been to Jerry World in Dallas, but I think it's an okay stadium. My, my major problems are, number one, it's not family friendly at all. The, the whole stadium nope. is just not family friendly. They don't really coordinate where people are to create family friendly zones. And if you have kids, that's a problem. I think the food is extremely expensive. And the other thing is like, like you said, the travel where we live, and I'm not going to give out our location, 
But where we live, it's an all-day event to get to the football game and back. I mean, we have to leave when it's dark outside and you're not going to get home until after all the games are off TV. There have been days when I have left my house at 6.30 in the morning to go meet somebody and go to the stadium, and I don't get home till almost 8.30 at night because it's not just right around the stadium. Once you get to that Springfield interchange, it's just it's a hot mess coming from there into Virginia. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. It's the reason I don't go to more games. Like I love being in there live and in person just because it, it it's something different to witness your team doing what it does in person, you know, um, as opposed to catching it on TV. The other thing is, I hate that you can't really keep up with anything else going on in the NFL or fantasy football while you're at the stadium. There's nothing interactive for stuff like that. That's my big complaints. Yeah, I, I'm, I agree with you. It is definitely an all-day event. Again, not to give out our location, but I can assure you we are not 200 miles from the stadium. We're within, I'd say, within about a 70-mile radius of the stadium, tops. Um, it's really no excuse for it to be a 12-hour round trip uh, event, it, but it really is, and it's rough. Um, you know, coming coming from Virginia, uh, just getting to that stadium is just not – it's not fun, and, and Metro – is an option, but it's just a whole other thing. If there's any sort of like disability involved, Metro is not an option because it's a mile from the stadium, the, the nearest Metro stop. So there's really a lot that could be better about that. Um, and I think a lot of it is just from when it, the whole inception of it, it was kind of rushed to get, you know, Jack Kent Cook wanted to get it done before he died. It was his dream to get it done. Um, and he really, cut a lot of corners and made a lot of deals that he shouldn't have made and just wasn't patient in getting it done. And it shows. Um, and one thing that I can say that, that Daniel Snyder did is he did upgrade the stadium almost immediately because he recognized what uh, a poor job they did in just building it. So it is better because I, I remember going there the first year or two and, you know, the 97, 98 seasons when it first opened and it really wasn't even as good then. Um, you know, he did, he put, you know, TVs in, he, he put uh, clear clear barriers. Uh, there were like bars up in front of the in front of the rows that um, would actually obstruct the view. And he got rid of that. So he made some upgrades to the stadium right off the bat, and he's continued to try to do it. But there's only so much you can do. And the one thing that's never really that's always bothered me about it is just you know if I'm going to be spending 12 hours of my Sunday trying to take in a Washington game, I would like to maybe leave the stadium and go to a restaurant or find a bar, just hang out with other people. And you just can't do that mm -hmm. unless you're, you know, you bring a whole tailgate or you just, you know, tag along with the tailgating thing. And then, you know, that's a whole setup and takedown. So, you know, there's just an accessibility thing that's just not there with the stadium. And it's really not as good because, you, you know, my comparisons, I don't go to a lot of NFL stadiums. I've been, I've been to the, the Oakland stadium. Um, back in the '90s, and <laughs> that was really bad too. Um, so that was that's really my only comparison because that's the only only two like NFL stadiums I've ever been to. But uh, just comparing it to like Oriole Park, Nats Park, um, yeah. the downtown, the, the what do they call it now, Capital One Arena. There's just there's so much around it. There's so much other things outside of the game that this it, it's a whole atmosphere that's just missing from FedEx. And I would really like to see that change wherever they do with the new stadium is to really put some focus around it as well. There really needs to be some development or it needs to be in an established area where, you know, there are things that you can do outside of going to the game that, that make it not so bad to spend your whole Sunday, you know, on a pilgrimage to get to a football game. Right. And do you feel like FedEx is, is a place that feels like a home field advantage when we play there? Like, I know, like I've been to the 
the stadium in Philadelphia and just driving by that on the highway mm-hmm. is intimidating, you know, um, and, and I'm sure there's other places too. I, you know, I don't travel much out, out West and stuff like that, but you know, when, when you go by FedEx or you're in FedEx, it doesn't, to me, feel like that dominant home environment. And I know a lot of that has to do with the fact that the football team hasn't been consistently good, but the stadium doesn't help aid in that aura. Yeah. Um, the, the, the whole design, uh, and I, I don't think it's, it, it, it maybe isn't the design so much because a lot of college stadiums are very intimidating and they're designed similarly, but just hearkening back to RFK stadium back in the day. And I know that, you know, I sound like an old fart just pining for that, but one thing I can say about it is you were right on top of the field and it's, it was really intimidating or could be really intimidating for the, for the visiting team because the fans were just right there on top of you. And it's like straight up almost, you know, there was really not that, that, that like arc. Whereas, you know, on the new field uh, at FedEx, you know, even the first row is still a good 10 yards behind. And, and maybe it was like this at RFK. It just didn't feel like that at RFK. It really felt like you were part of the game there. That's never been a thing here. And, and like you said, it's a lot of it is to do with the fact that the team hasn't been that great. And the fan turnout hasn't been that great. There's just a lot of fan. The other thing is that it's way too big and it's always been way too big. And the fact that, that Dan Snyder, you know, at one point bumped it up to 90,000 seats is ridiculous. Yeah. Cause you're just not going to get that many home fans for a football team in general. Um, and even Jerry Jones is finding that out that you're just going to have a lot of visiting fans. You're just, there's a lot of open seats in that and you're never going to have a real good home field advantage. It's not the university of Michigan where you're going to have a hundred thousand Michigan fans sitting on top, waiting to mm. beat the crap out of Ohio state. You know, this is a very transient area. There's fans from everywhere in DC, just because the nature of the, the work in DC, it changes every four years. Almost, You know, you've got new people coming in from all over the country and there's going to be, you know, Cardinals fans, there's going to be Seahawks fans. There's going to be obviously Pittsburgh fans, which are the worst. There's bad Dallas fans, <laughs> Jets fans, there's, you know, Patriots, there's just everybody because people are coming from all over the, the, the country uh, and just moving in here and living here for a few years. And they can all access the game because there's always tickets available. And if you, you know, you have a, and I think they're going to correct this when they go with the new stadium, but you know, you've got 70,000 seats minimum. And I think it's back down to around 70,000, maybe a little over now, but at one point it was like 85, 90,000 people that they were trying to cram in there. And it's, it's ridiculous. It's way too big. So the home field advantage just isn't going to be there for an NFL stadium with yeah. that many seats. That's a great point. Um, if you had your choice, tell me what location you would put the stadium in. I put it back in the RFK location. That's first choice. That's the one seed. I can't imagine any place being better than that. Um, you know, the area is uh, a lot, it's been revitalized a lot in general. Like it's a lot nicer area to be in, maybe not right on top of the stadium, but the areas close by have really come back in the past since, you know, since the team left in, in 97. So there's that. There's also, it's not just Metro access because the Metro, you know, stop the stadium armory site is right there. But it's not, it's not just that. It's, there's like four lines of Metro. You can get on the red line. You can get on the green line. You can get on the yellow line. You can get on the blue line. You can get on all these lines. And that may not be completely accurate. I'm not looking at a Metro map. But there's like four lines that you can get on. So it's not just, you know, you're, you're not just sitting at the end of the silver line. There's one line like where it is now or the end of the red line where it's Shady Grove and you, you got to go all the way or you got to go all the way back on the red line. Shady Grove is the opposite. And I can't remember, but I, I suck at Metro. But, you know, you're sitting on one line and everybody's getting onto the same train. You didn't have that at the RFK site because you've got a major hub right there at the intersection. There's like three or four lines. And that's a great, 
you know, advantage to have. So there's that. And just the tradition of being there, you know, you can go out and you can, and tailgating like in lot eight by the river was awesome back in the day. It was so great because it's like this little field. And that's where, you know, whenever I went to game, I went to like five or six games at RFK when I was younger. And just that little area is so great. You're right on the little, uh, the, the dumpy little river, Anacostia River there. But it's so cool to just be there. And it's like the only grass in the area. And you're just there with a bunch of people. And, you know, it was just an awesome feeling. It's very nostalgic. And I'm for sure it wasn't as great as I remember it. But, you know, I have I have good memories of that. And that area, to me, that location, I just can't think, not, not to mention that it's in Washington, D.C., which, you know, you're the Washington football team. You'd want your stadium to be in, you know, in, in Washington. So yeah, RFK is the one seed. Yeah, I don't think it's happening, but that's the one seed. And it seems like that's the only spot in DC that it could occur or it could be placed and still be in DC because obviously the overdevelopment of DC is a, is a problem. But um, I think most fans would say that um, on the R- old RFK site, the nostalgia, especially um, the access, like you mentioned, I'll say um, I really wouldn't mind the stadium being in Springfield, Virginia. I think there's some some land out there that you could commandeer and uh, and make a nice little stadium out of. And it's really right in the middle of us Virginians, the Marylanders, and uh, the folks in D.C. to get to. Um, I've actually got the perfect spot. I know that and I'll let you finish, but I've got the perfect spot for where yeah. it could go. No, no, tell me. Where was where, where it? Okay, uh, if you're drive, driving up, it's not. It's a little north of Springfield, but driving up north, there's that dumpy mall, landmark mall, right on the yeah. interstate that nobody goes to. And if you ever go in that parking lot, it's completely empty. Yeah. Demolish that. Keep the parking garage. But that's a perfect spot. I mean, if you're looking in Virginia inside the Beltway, it's right outside of D.C. and it's still accessible from Maryland, yeah. like you said. That's I, that's where I, that's where I would go. Um, right off of Duke place, Street. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the exit. It's right there, and it's right on the interstate. You can easily upgrade that exit, and you know that's that'd be a great spot in Virginia. But that's also not going to happen. Yeah, the <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm no, I like the idea. I'm trying to think about what else is in that area. I know there's a lot of condos in that area, and I wonder how they would feel about it. But um, I like that spot too. Uh, I just the the thing with Springfield for me is when we go to games that Springfield interchange is always the problem with traffic. And I just don't want to have to go further than that to have to come back through it. You know what I mean? Cause it kind of limits my options. Um, all right, let's be realist now and tell me where you think it's actually going to end up being. So I'm going to, if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, even though sports betting is legal now, I'm going to say it's actually going to go right down the street from where uh, the park is right now, right at the corner of the Dulles toll road in the Loudoun County Parkway, hmm. there is a big old open field and there's nothing around it. It's the same problem you're going to have in, in Landover. There's really, there's like a little kind of shopping center about a quarter of a mile away. And I guess is okay. It's got some restaurants and bars. It's like a little, not, not a strip mall, but it's, you know, a little shopping center. Um, and there's a ton of, there's a bunch of data centers um, right up there. It's a big tech industry, but that's where I'm rolling with. Um, it's, right down the street like you know it's at the bottom corner of Loudoun County Parkway you go to the top corner and that's where the park is that's where the practice facility is and if I'm a betting man that's where I'm going to say it's going to go yeah I'm I'm almost positive that you're right and I really don't like that no not at all it is even though it's in Virginia it is so hard to get to 
Might as well be in Maryland. It may as well be in Maryland. That's right. And, and the other thing is you are, if you put it there, you are basically giving Maryland to, to the Ravens. Yeah. I mean, because it, it's awful trying to get there. I don't like getting there from, you know, Virginia. It's not a fun drive. Um, just that drive up to Dulles airport. I never enjoy it. I, I never yeah. fly out of Dulles if I can help it. Um, I'd almost go to BWI before I go to Dulles. I just don't like going to Dulles airport. Um, and you know, that's, it's the same trip and it's close to DC. So people in the district, it's not a bad drive out from there. It's not a bad drive from, you know, even Winchester or, you know, Loudoun County area. Um, but it's just not very convenient and the infrastructure hasn't really kept up. They're doing okay, but it's, it hasn't really kept up with it. And you're going to have the same problems that you have in Landover, except it's just, you know, the opposite state, but you're still taking it way out. And honestly, it's probably worse than Landover because at least the Landover site is inside the beltway. This place is like 10 miles outside the beltway. Yeah. So another bad thing I don't like about and it. I think basically some, giving it to the Ravens. You are. And I think some of those roads dump out into two lane roads too, at some point. Um, oh Yeah when you cross over yeah into that Leesburg I I don't want any part of that and I love the area itself I think it's a great area a lot of great you know shopping at Tyson's Corner whole situation there all that stuff is great but when you try to move 70,000 people in that same direction on top of the traffic that's already there right in the distance you have to go from where we are it it just does not seem like a good recipe to me but exactly. I think that's where it's going to be. And that's a little bit disappointing, uh, selfishly maybe, because maybe that works better for folks in the D.C. and Maryland area. I don't believe it will. No. I mean, D.C. and, you know, Tyson's Corner area and the Dulles Corridor in Leesburg, sure. Manassas maybe, but anybody outside of those areas, it's just not a fun drive to go to. And like you said, it does. It, it's perpetually – I've never been up there when it's not under construction. So right. it's just that 29, 7, 15, that little corridor. There's just always road work there. It never seems to get better. Uh, just the worst. I don't I don't even like the area. Yeah. I mean, I like the area. Actually, I would live there. Well, no, I wouldn't live there. But I don't mind visiting there once <laughs> in the middle of the day on a weekday. Right. Or, you know, when I can be home by 2 o'clock. I love it. Oh, Outside yeah. of that, no, I don't want any part of it. When, when you're traveling, when everybody else is at work, it, it's it's money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not for weekends, though. Um, all right. What do you want in a stadium? So, like, you know, you're going to your game day experience. We're talking about the ideal scenario. You pull up to the stadium in your limousine or your, your caravan of Hummers, however you like to go to the stadium, Eric. Right. <laughs> what do you want inside that building when you get there? horse-drawn carriage uh, shaped like a pumpkin. Um, it's silver. That's, that's how I roll to my, my tailgates. Um, I want, again, I like I said, I want things to do other than watch a football game um, first and foremost. I would like to, because it's not just, you know, it's football games are eight games a year, maybe 10 if you make the playoffs. Um, there's just, you need more, you know, there's concerts, there's, you know, soccer expeditions, uh, uh, exhibitions um there's just lots of stuff you could use a stadium for and all those people always want something else to do so I, I i want it to be in a vibrant area first of all um so that i can just enjoy being there even if there's not a game it'd be a place that i'd want to maybe hang out at it seems like a good idea so that's first and foremost second uh affordable food you know like you said the you know you're paying 15 dollars if you want a beer it's like I don't know, nine or 10 bucks for a hot dog. Now it's ridiculous. Like the Atlanta model, what they're doing down there 
where they've got, you know, the $5 beers and the $2 hot dogs. That's, you'd like to go back to that. I, yeah. I just don't, it's so expensive. And I know that, I know that it's an affluent area, like Northern Virginia, that corridor, Loudoun County, Fairfax, all that. It's a very wealthy area. But, you know, there's people that don't want to spend $600 to take their family to a football game for one day. And, you know, cheaper concessions goes a long way towards that. Um, so that's second. And third, I would like it to, I'm just old and just old fashioned, but I hate all the hoopla. Um, I like I like all the military tributes in Washington. They've been really good about doing that. So I'd love to keep that. I would like to integrate the band more into the game day experience and not just have them play after they score. Like I'd like to see more. I'd almost like to see like a halftime performance of like the marching band. I think that'd be awesome. Um, it's more of a college high school type thing, but I think that's cool. And that's something that's missing because the spectacle, I'm not a big fan of the spectacle, the stupid blow up helmet that they run through is the dumbest thing. And I hate it. Um, and I wish I could just like throw darts at it. Um, <laughs> well, wow. you know, and have it deflate on them because it's just, I hate it. It's so cheesy. So if you're going to go cheesy, at least make it like cheesy and nostalgic and bring in a, bring in the marching band or something like that. So that's, that's the kind of stuff I would look for in a stadium. What do you, what about you? Man, I want interactivity with my game day experience. I'm not a, I'm not a tailgater. I don't, I don't want to sit in the parking lot and just hang out. <laughs> I'm a square. What can I say? I want to go directly into the stadium. I want to find my seat. I want to enjoy my view. So first thing is I want to have good views. I want to be close to the, to the field, but also close to the players. FedEx feels so far away from everything, even on that lower level. So that's number mm -hmm. one. I want TVs everywhere to keep up with everything else that's going on in the league. Because I'm such a big fantasy enthusiast, I want to know what other players are doing from every other game around the league. I, I want fantasy interaction so I don't feel like I'm missing something or I'm watching my phone the whole game, you know? Right. Um, I want One thing I hate that FedEx doesn't do, um, replays, man. When stuff happens on the field, they're so selective about what they show on replay. It's awful. Sometimes I'm like, what just happened? Because, you know, when you're live at the game, you can't see everything, right? right? You, like, you, you kind of try to follow where the ball is or where the action is, but you're going to miss stuff. And I want to see more frequent replays. Uh, that's a big thing for me. Um, and scores around the league. I know they've gotten better about that over the years where they start to they're, they're showing them around the ring or whatever. But I just, I just want a better presentation of that because I want to know how our rivals are doing in the division. I want to know what's going on outside the division, everything like that. Basically, I want my home experience put into a stadium experience. I also want more comfortable seating. Those little plastic and metal seats that they have there that are like eight inches wide are just yep. obnoxious to me. And then I'm five foot 11 and three quarters. Okay, give me my three quarters. And my knees are always directly up against the seat in front of me. I can't stand that. I'm not even like, I'm not even a super, super tall person, you know? And I don't, I can't imagine how somebody who's six, three or taller is comfortable in that stadium. I hate that. And, and it just like, make me feel comfortable at the stadium. So I'm enjoying what's going on around me without feeling like somebody's, oh, here's the other thing I really hate about FedEx, the stairs. People are always <laughs> wasted and falling off of the stairs onto people. Like, especially in that 400 level. Have you seen this? Where like the stairs are so steep and like narrow that like people are like hanging onto the railings and swinging off. And I'm like, come on, dude, I got my kid here. You know what I'm saying? Like just 
figure out a way to give us space. I'm a space person. Give me space at the stadium. I have a great story about that. Uh, one of the first trips I ever made to FedEx, my buddy Howard and I were uh, leaving the game. And there's just like, we're walking down the stairs and we're at the bottom of the section and we're up in the nosebleeds, like the 400 something. And we're walking down and we just hear screaming behind us. This lady's just like, ah! and we look and there's this guy just tumbling down over top of the seats, not even the stairs. He's trying to go down the seats and he lands right at my feet and he stands up and he's just got blood gushing out of his head. It's, you know, you, you cut your head. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, it way bleeds way more than it, it feels like it should. But so he gets up and, and I'm like, are you okay? Do you need, you know, I can get you a napkin or something. And he's like, man, life's a bitch. And he just walks away. <laughs> um, and apparently he was trying to like race his friend down and he decided to take a shortcut over the seats and, you know, went all Aunt bunny down on the seats. Um, so yeah, I I'm fully hundred percent with you on that. It's not the only experience I've ever had. Um, it seems to be worse in the visiting fan section too. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the, that's the that's the real reason that I don't really like going to games NFL games specifically is because the fans are awful and I know this is going to sound bougie but I will only sit in the club sec in the club level uh now <laughs> yeah and I'm 5'11 and a quarter so yeah. I don't even have three quarters and in the club level seats I'm cramped so I can't even imagine like what somebody yeah. in the you know in the in the normal seats is going to be like right um and I of course I always find them on discount too always going on you know last minute ticket shopping um, so, you know, my daughter wanted to go to a game a couple of years ago and I'm like, I really hate going to the, the Redskins games. They were the Redskins at the time. And I really just don't want to go, but I'm like, it's your present. I'll go ahead and do it for you. And we went and I had to find club seats and, and the fans were obnoxious in the club level. And that was the first time I'd had that experience. And it's just, I, I, I struggle with that because, you know, especially if you've got younger kids, you just don't want to be around that. There's really no way around it, unfortunately, uh, at an NFL game, fans are fans. Um, it just seems to be worse at the NFL games that I've been to than it has been at, you know, Nationals games or Orioles games. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, Caps games or Wizards games or whatever. It always just seems to be worse at the NFL. And it just may just – it's a different type of fan, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the fight. The other thing I would like to point out, what I, what I would actually like to see, and I, I didn't mention this before, I, and we kind of alluded to it earlier, is just the smaller setting. I want like a 50 to 55,000-seat stadium. Um, it's just a lot more – I'd say uh, quaint and uh, it's like more of an intimate feeling. And I think you can, you can really get that home field advantage. Yeah. Feeling by having a smaller stadium, because you know that you can pack it with more season ticket holders or more fans. And if you can put a decent team on the field, maybe they won't sell their tickets to somebody else. So yeah, I would like to see a smaller setting. We definitely don't need 80,000 seats. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I think you said this earlier too, and this is the, uh, the college atmosphere, I, I want that, where it's really intense, it's people really passionate about it, they're there to watch the game, not fight each other, not go to jail, you know, stuff like that, that are really kind of cheering on the team. Um, so if you're listening, Washington NFL, and we know they listen to this podcast, actually, we don't, but we trust that they do. Totally. That's, <laughs> that's what we want. All right. And I want to, let's switch gears. Let's talk about the Hall of Fame. Um, the So Twitter went crazy about Julian Edelman and whether or not he's a Hall of Famer. And then you text me and you said, what about the Washington uh, Skins players that are not in the Hall of Fame, but should be? Eric, who's on your list? Hit me. Number one, Joe Jacoby. Um, Joe Jacoby, I think, should have gotten in before Russ Grimm, in my opinion. Not that I don't love Russ Grimm, 
Russ Grimm was better at his peak, but his peak was a lot shorter than Jacoby's was. Um, Grimm had like a really great, like top three NFL offensive lineman for about four years. And then just the injury started to pile up and he was basically his last, I'd say from about 88 to 91, I think was his last year. He was pretty much a part-time player. Whereas Jacoby was a consistent presence and one of the best offensive tackles in the league. Probably I'd put him definitely behind Anthony Munoz, probably behind, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, I want to say the, Steve Wallace. Was it Steve Wallace? I'm trying to think. There was another offensive one. I thought he was with the 49ers. It was great. Um, but I, I would, so Joe Jacoby's first on my list. Another one on my list, uh, Gary Clark. Um, and so it, what's funny about that is that I don't necessarily consider Gary Clark a Hall of Famer as in one of the greatest wide receivers in NFL history, but based on who's in the Hall of Fame at wide receiver, Gary Clark should totally be in the Hall of Fame. When you're looking at guys like Lynn Swan and guys like John Stallworth, not to pick on Pittsburgh, but I hate them. Um, you know, guys like that, that are in the Hall of Fame that, you know, the guys had like, I think Stallworth had like 500 catches. Lynn Swan had, didn't even have 400. Lynn Swan never had a thousand yard receiving season. Even if it was 14 games, there were still guys that were getting thousand yard receivers in these seasons. So guys like that, that are in the Hall of Fame. It kind of irks me because there's nothing on their resume that Gary Clark does not have. He's got rings. He's got big time catches in the Super Bowl. He's got big time playoff performances. He's been in all, he was an all pro. He was, was multiple pro bowlers. He's a fantastic player. And if those guys are in the Hall of Fame, he should be on the Hall of Fame. I, I think that the specifically for wide receivers, I think the, and quarterbacks, but um, to stick with the receivers, because we don't have anybody, any quarterbacks that should be in the Hall of Fame that aren't already. Um, I think the, st- the bar has been really lowered for certain guy for Hall of Fame wide receivers. And I don't like that. There's a lot of guys in there that have put up better numbers than Gary Clark, but I still don't think are necessarily Hall of Famers, but I'm not going to pick on them, but I'm going to pick on Swan and Stallworth because those guys, if they're in, he should be in. And Julian Edelman should not be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he should definitely not. And the last one I'm going to go with, and I don't understand, I was looking all over the place today, and I could not think of somebody who played at the same time as this player who was better at his position than this player was. And this player played for a long time, and the stats are there, and the accolades are there, and he never even gets a sniff. Nobody even mentions him when they talk about Hall of Fame. And that is my guy, Wilbur Marshall. Mm. What? Why is Wilbur Marshall missing from what is missing from his resume? He is a three-time All-Pro, two-time first-team All-Pro. He was a defensive player of the year. He's got over a thousand tackles. He's got 23 interceptions, 24 forced fumbles in his career, and he played 11 years. And he never even gets a whiff. And can you? I and he was an absolute game wrecker when he played with both Chicago and with Washington. His first, I'd say, seven, eight years in the league of the 11 total. He was an absolute monster. He should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl that, where they beat Buffalo. Absolutely, 100% should not have been Mark Ribbon, should have been Wilbur Marshall. Go back and rewatch that. He destroyed the Buffalo Bills. And he was so good. And I'm trying to think, the only thing I can think of as to why he doesn't get enough love is because he's an outside linebacker, but he's not like an edge rusher. So when you look at like the all pros from those from those years, it's always guys like Pat Swilling and guys like Lawrence Taylor and guys like Derek Thomas, who were all like three, four edge rusher type guys, not weak side linebackers. And I just don't understand how nobody even thinks about him as one of the, cause he's got some of the most amazing hits in NFL history. Yeah. He's just such a, 
maybe I'm just being soft because I like him so much, but I just don't, I can't think of an inside linebacker like a, or a weak side linebacker at that time period that was better than Wilbur Marshall. So those are my guys. So you know, I had, I had a similar list, not all of them. The only guy that I had that you didn't was Trunk Candidate. <laughs> just kidding. What Hall of Fame would that be? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe his college. I don't know. So I want to see, let, let, let's, let's big time this. I'm going to read the list of current Hall of Fame inductees for the Washington football team. I want you to tell me how many of them you've met in person. You ready? Okay. <clears throat> George Allen. Yes or no? No. Cliff Battles. No. Sammy Ball. No, I might have met Sammy Ball. Really? At one of those FedEx field things. Like, not like a talk to him, but just like, you know, shook his hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bobby Beathard. No. Bill Dudley. No. Turk Edwards. No. Ray Flaherty. Nope. Joe Gibbs. Yes. Ah, you met Joe Gibbs? Give me a 10 second. I met Joe Gibbs randomly at Denny's the the uh year after he retired I was uh we called in a pickup order to Denny's because we we're pathetic apparently and I got uh selected to go pick it up and I walk in and at the first booth in there he's sitting there with his family and I look over at him and just think for like kind of double take and look back and he looks at me and he's got this look on his face like please no and I'm just like I give him the middle school head nod what's up and he's like give me the head nod back mm-hmm. and so I count that as meeting him. I never actually talked to him, but that was a great experience. And I got to go back and just talk trash to all my friends. Cause like you made me go to Denny's to pick up food that we ordered from Denny's because we're pathetic. And I got to meet Joe Gibbs. So there it I is. win. All right. That's awesome. Daryl Green. Yes. Russ Grimm. No. Chris Hamburger. No. I think I, I think I got Chris Hamburger. Uh, Ken Houston. No. Sam Huff. Yes. Sunny it was, similar. It was yeah. a Sam and Sonny both at training camp one year. Nice. Yeah. You're, you're big time. George Preston Marshall. No. no. He was long dead before I came around. Thankfully. Wayne, Seems like a small guy, though. Yeah. <laughs> Wayne Milner. Never heard of him. Bobby Mitchell. I, I don't think so, but I can't rule it out. He might have been one of the people I met at training camp in Carlisle way back in the day. Okay. Art Monk. Yes. John Riggins. No, but man, would I like to. For sure. Charlie Taylor. No. Champ Bailey. Uh, yes. I actually interviewed Champ Bailey with a radio station. Look at this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, uh, so we have about two minutes here. Tell me some of your more current uh, Washington football team meets that were really highlights for you more current i haven't i don't think i've met anybody and uh who did i meet who did i meet so i went to training camp kirk cousins okay um yeah um my daughter and i met kirk cousins uh and that was the last time i went to training camp and that was uh probably like 2014 so it was about the year that he took over maybe it was 2015 it was about the year that he took over his starter okay um I got Danny Copeland's autograph. I don't know if you remember Danny Copeland, but he was like at the mall signing autographs. Oh, and the last one, my favorite one of all time. I have a picture of me and I'll see if I can find it and post it to Twitter. Uh, it'll be my first actual tweet. That's not a reply to somebody else's. There's a picture of me and Gus Farratt, right? <laughs> and it's taken in like 1995. And it's ridiculous because I look like his mini me. I'm like a clone of this dude, but like three quarters of the size. It's, it's funny. 
and I, I think I posted it before to like Facebook maybe, but I'll see if I can dig that up and find it because it's, it's actually pretty funny. Cause it's, it's, it's ridiculous that how much I look like him. That is with, awesome. uh, zero talent. That is awesome. All right. 20 seconds. I got Kirk cousins, D'Angelo Hall, um, Josh Morgan, Mike Sellers, Gary Clark. I played high go. school football. Gary Clark told me I look like a football player. It made my year, man. There you um, go. Who else? Trent Williams. I was coming out of the back of the stadium and I was so upset because we lost. And I was like, Trent Williams sucks. And then <laughs> Trent Williams comes walking out of the locker room like a foot and a half from me. Uh, he was not happy. Uh, Chris Horton, the Predator 48. You remember that guy? Yeah, I did. Met him. Carlos Rogers. Uh, several guys. We're out of time. Eric, thank you so much. We'll be back next week, right? Peace out, homies.